You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. A bit of an update on Mars. It's the closest it's been in 15 years. It's actually about 54.6 million kilometres from the Earth. This doesn't happen that often. 15 years ago, in 2003, it was the closest that it had been to Earth in nearly 60,000 years. That was a a really unusual... So so we we get close to it every 15 years, but that, I guess, over time, it's not as close? So Mars and Earth are orbiting the Sun, but neither of their orbits are perfect circles. Mm -hmm. There are little variations, there are ellipses, and there's influences on the orbits, particularly of Mars, Jupiter, that giant gas planet, Mm -hmm. next one out after Mars, it can influence influence the orbit so there are variations so that's why you get these variations yep. you know every 15 years you get the closest approach in 2003 it was 60,000 years since we'd been that close to the red planet uh, we won't be as close as we were in 2003 until 2287 until oh, that, right. that year so another what 170 odd years 169 years from now and I did work out that earlier <laughs> and if you were interested to see there's there's a heap of stuff on the on the um on the internet now, backyard astronomers have been having a bonanza in the last week or so because it's that that close approach. So Mars is very bright. In fact, when you looked at that lunar eclipse, if you looked at it on Saturday morning, on early Saturday morning Australian time, then you would have noticed that very close to that blood red moon was this really bright reddish object mm-hmm. and that's mars yeah. it's so bright because it's close and it was a particularly rare spectacle because you had the blood moon combined with the close proximity yeah. of mars so you know, bonanza for backyard astronomers and professional astronomers as well and it's still close so if you've got a backyard telescope it's actually a really good time to have a look you can see things like the white polar caps on right. mars okay. and i actually want to dust mine off so do I, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and have a look at it because it's it is an opportunity despite that global dust storm which we've talked about in the program it's enveloped it's spread over the last couple couple of months to envelop the whole planet. Lots of orbiters are doing great stuff observing that. They're finding out more about Martian meteorology. Not so good for the solar-powered Opportunity rover because uh, it hasn't been heard from since that uh, global storm really got going and they're hoping that it will survive. It's predicted the storm's going to last until September, so we may not hear from uh, Opportunity until September, if at all. But that's another story and we'll follow that one pretty closely. These close approaches are happening on a regular basis. Another sort of regular rhythm that happens between the Earth, because if you think they're both going around the sun, they're both on the sort of the plane of the ecliptic, but every 26 months they're closest in their orbits to each other. Mm-hmm. That's when they send probes, either orbiters or landers, to Mars. So, in 20- so there's less fuel that's meant to be used. Absolutely, yeah. and a shorter journey. Yeah. So about a six-month travel time. 2001, NASA launched Mars Odyssey. 2003, the Mars Exploration Rovers, including Opportunity. 2005, the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter was, was sent. 2007, Mars Phoenix Lander. 2009 was a missed opportunity. 2011, the Mars Science Laboratory, Curiosity Rover as it's otherwise known, was launched in 2013. MAVEN, that uh, NASA orbiter that is studying the atmosphere of Mars. 2016 was another skipped opportunity. 2018, later this year, I think it's November, InSight, that mm-hmm. delayed mission was going to drill down and study the uh, things like Mars quakes and the like. That's this year is another close approach. And in 2020, the next large rover to land, similar design to the Curiosity rover that's known as Mars 2020 at this stage, but hopefully they'll work on a better name between now and when it lands. 
So that's the story as to why it's so bright. Uh, another bit of Mars news that I thought I should mention is they have discovered a large watery lake, what they believe to be at this stage, a large watery lake beneath uh, one of the, I think it's the South Polar ice cap of Mars. They've used this using a kind of ground penetrating radar. There's an instrument on board, a European orbiter. It's called Mars Express. It's been there for quite a while now, 10 or so, probably 15 years ago, Mars Express was launched. It's in orbit. It has an instrument on board, which is called MARSIS. That stands for Mars Advanced Radar for Subsurface and Ionosphere Sounding Instrument. That entered orbit in uh, 2003 Mm. with with Mm. Mars Express. And that allows the scientists to actually peer beneath the surface. And that's what the instrument they've used to discover what they think is a, is a, a lake. Now, it's got to be very briny because the temperature that's predicted at the pole and uh, underground at the pole is about minus 68 Celsius. And the freezing point of water, as we all know, is zero. So for it to remain liquid, it has to be very salty. And quite deep as well as what I've been hearing in terms of where the lake is, not literally on the surface. No, you it's, know, it's, it's, it's really deep. It's well yeah. under the ice, that's right. You'd have to get there and have a big drill to be able to get down and, and study this if you're going to confirm what's in it, because this is the thing that, that's exciting scientists, is that they want to, if there's a body of water that's, that's protected by layers of ice above, then it's not being irradiated, it's not being pounded like the surfaces of Mars mm-hmm. because of that thin atmosphere, lots of very dangerous radiation on the surface. Any astronaut who goes to the red planet is going to have to have a pretty serious spacecraft mm-hmm. around him and space suit. Otherwise, he's going to get fried by interstellar radiation and ultraviolet radiation from the sun. But coming back to this lake, we have found at the at Antarctica, so our South Pole on Earth, there's a lake there called Vostok. It's, it's very deep. It's, it's under several kilometers of ice. They've actually managed to drill down to that. It was a big project, big international project. They drilled down to it and they found microbes mm. that have been very long, long-lived. So they yep. think it's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years mm-hmm. since this lake has been frozen over. Mm-hmm. So the microbes that are down there have survived for a very, very long period of time in an isolated situation with no light. Apparently, they've actually been feeding on rock. For okay. food, yeah, right. Um, the thought is that it's, if this, if we can see this happening on Earth, there are similarities to the poles on Earth and on Mars. So maybe this body of water, this briny area of water that's uh, that's indicated by the Mars instrument on Mars Express, could possibly have microbial life, just as like Vostok does on Earth. Very hard to confirm that because they're going to have to have a massive drill, like they do. Yes. It's much easier to get a drilling rig to Antarctica than it is to Mars. It does suggest that uh, this is another place that you might look for life. There is some uncertainty. In fact, according to Richard Zurek, who's the chief scientist in the Mars program office at NASA's JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, he reckons that complex, almost chaotic structure of the ice caps could affect the radar signals in unexpected ways. Now, quoting him, he said, you have a lot of interfaces that could do strange things to radar signals. He was not involved in this research, by the way. He goes on to say it's the kind of signal we would expect for liquid water. Is it the only way that signal could be produced? That's the hard part. So the topography of the ice in that area could be bending and and, uh, altering the signal that's coming back from the MARSIS instrument. So more study required on that one, but it is exciting to have a stable body of liquid water there on on one of the poles of Mars, if that's what it turns out to be. Very intriguing and worthy of study. 
of microbes can be as hardy miles below Earth's surface, we could be pleasantly surprised if we were actually able to drill down into that body of uh, briny water on Mars. Just continuing on Mars, again on this subject of the possibility of life, scientists at Ames Research Center in California, Silicon Valley, have been doing some research at the Atacama Desert in Chile. Now, this is one of the driest places after Antarctica, which is also very dry, mm-hmm. funnily enough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's super dry down there. This area of Chile, it's a thousand kilometer strip of land on South America's west coast. There are areas of that, it's known as a super dry place. It gets literally about a millimeter. There are areas that get you know, a few millimeters or less of rain per decade. So it, it really is very dry. And one of the things they're doing there is they're saying, we, we know it's very dry on the surface of Mars. Let's go to the Atacama Desert on, on South America. Let's see how microbial life does there. And, and let's do studies and find out. Yeah, because the, the amount of water in the Atacama Desert, it's pretty dry everywhere, but there are some areas that are drier than others. And I believe it's the northern areas of Atacama Desert, which are the driest. What they're doing is they're studying microbes, which do exist in the desert, but they're just seeing how they change when you go from the areas that have a little bit of moisture to very, very little bit of mm-hmm. moisture. What they're finding is dead microbes in the driest parts of Atacama Desert. In right. fact, they reckon they found dead microbes that are 10,000 years old and close to the surface. So again, the implication for studying Mars, this super dry, cold desert environment, is that maybe because we've, we've seen signs of water and liquid flowing on the surface of Mars mm-hmm. from eons ago, from billions of years ago, it's possible maybe that there are signs of microbes that's a, that were around then, yes. dead now, yep. but visible on the surface. Mm. So that would be kind of, you know, obviously we'd like to find life that's actually living, but if we find fossilized life or signs of microbial life, well, at least it shows that life did get going somewhere else, then the climate yes. changed on Mars. You know, this is one of the lessons of Mars in a way is that, We know that it had a warmer and wetter climate in the past, but something changed massively between then and now to result in this dry, desert, cold place that we have. And loss of atmosphere is believed to be a big part of it, and that's Mm -hmm. what the Maven orbit is doing. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a, a salutary lesson for us on Earth, given that we're experiencing climate change, that... You know, look what happened to Mars. It went from a place that had, it had, it had water yeah. and now it's a dry desert yeah. with no atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So is that what's going to happen to Earth? Is this the sort of thing that we need to be worried about? You know, there are lessons on, on many levels that are, that are provided by Mars. Interesting science there that's been done at Atacama by the, those researchers at the Ames Research Centre in Silicon Valley. It is suggesting that we might find dead microbes there. Mars is a thousand times drier than even the driest parts of Atacama. So it's less likely that microbial life as we know it exists on the Martian surface as they've found in Atacama. uh, Remnants of past microbial life from wetter times could be there to be found. We'd have to go there. We'd have to drill down. Mm -hmm. Probably they're going to need to have humans to do that because the kind of the the subtlety of the measurements, yeah, yeah, and the ability to respond to the terrain and stuff. So interesting news there. Even in very, very dry situations, you can have microbial life or signs of microbial life. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestions for future shows.